Welcome to the 132nd episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will focus on the NCAA tournament with an in-depth look at tournament Sweet 16 action. So let's jump right in and look at those Sweet 16 games, uh, including through the lens of some of our predictions, which probably weren't pretty good. Uh, Patrick, let's start. Well, that statement is partially correct when we're talking about your predictions. On the other hand, for me, I did pretty well, actually. Uh, all things considered, especially when you look at the very first matchup there was of the Sweet 16 with number four Arkansas upsetting number one overall seed Gonzaga, 74 to 68. Uh, fun fact, Gonzaga has as many, actually, Gonzaga has one win over top three seeds in the last, I think, 12 tournaments, I think the stat is, or in the last, I, I think over the last five or 10, something like that. Uh, and St. Peter's has two. Uh, so there's that for your little fun fact there. And obviously, St. Peter's only coming off of this tournament, but Gonzaga has once again walked its way into the Sweet 16, um, and this time couldn't even get to the Elite Eight when they could play a top three seed. They lost before even getting there. Uh, but look, I'll, I'll start with the fact that Holmgren's fouls late might not have been the greatest calls, but I think Arkansas would have won regardless, and uh, a great gameplay by Arkansas throughout, especially by the dynamic duo of J.D. Note and Jalen Williams. And I think you just got to give credit to those guys and not really have it be a thing where we're talking about how Gonzaga didn't play well and had this and that go against them. Let's talk about what went well for Arkansas because that was really the story in this game. Uh, To the next game, I will say Michigan played the best free throw shooting team of all time, number two seeded Villanova. They lost 63 to 55. Why? Because they were 12 of 25 on layups and dunks and 7 of 14 from the free throw line. You cannot combine to go 19 of 39 from the free throw line layups and dunks and beat a team as disciplined, as good on defense, as well coached, and as good of a free throw shooting team as Villanova is. Villanova shot two less free throws than Michigan and made three more than them. That's all you need to know about this game. Uh, And Michigan started off 0 for 4 and actually 0 for 5. Uh, And and it was really a big difference because I think six of those free throw attempts uh, where Michigan went 1 for 6 in the first six, were early enough in the game that I think the game could have been 20 to 17 if it was even just that that was a four of six overall as as a team. Maybe it could have been 20 to 15 or 20 to 16 instead of being 20 to 11 early in the half. And then Michigan just kind of was playing catch up, which turns into a common theme in this round. But they were just playing catch up for too long and it wasn't they, they weren't able to come back from it. Uh, and speaking of uh, playing catch up a little bit, uh, number five, Houston beat number one, Arizona, 72 to 60. Arizona cut it to set to 42 to 40 in this game and you thought they might be back in the game then Houston goes on a 17 to 7 run to make it 49 59 to 47 uh their biggest lead of the game just when you thought Arizona might be getting back into it Houston had two really stupid late turnovers by Jamal Shedd on the same play where he got trapped in the corner and instead of calling a timeout or letting the jump ball happen or trying to flop for a foul he just chucked the ball over his head once he threw it out of bounds and the other time he threw it directly to Arizona. Uh, Arizona cut the game to six. Houston milked the clock for a whole possession and then hit a dagger three with a minute and a half left. That was Kyler Edwards with the three. And that's what sealed the game for Houston going up nine there uh, at that moment. And then free throw shooting for the rest of the game pushed that lead back out to 12. But again, another great game played by Houston. There was really nothing Arizona could have done about it. I picked the keys to the game of the offensive rebounding and really just Houston having Uh, a lot of experience and really being ready for all the challenges that could be thrown at them. And they were ready for all of it. Uh, So I'm going to move on from that. 
Talk about another game that I got right and you got wrong. Ha ha ha. Uh, number two, Duke beat number three, Texas Tech, 78 to 73. Both of those games actually upsets technically uh, in terms of the underdog of the betting line, even though Duke was the higher seeded team. Uh, this game was just a chess match in terms of coaching with both teams switching up their defense to halt each other's offenses. Uh, down 68 to 66, Duke went on a 7-0 run from the 254 uh, mark on the time uh, on the timeline and uh, until Texas Tech started fouling. Uh, and that started with a Bancaro three. Then Duke's defense got a block from Mark Williams, leading to a basket from Jeremy Roach, and then a steal by Bancaro and another, uh, and this one being a tough jumper from Jeremy Roach. So Roach, Bancaro, and Williams really just took over the game late for Duke, and uh, that, that really was the difference in the game. Roach also shot some of the late-game free throws uh, at the end, and that was the difference for Duke as they marched on to that victory. But uh, again, nothing to take away from Texas Tech. They also played a great game. It was just Duke really playing better. Now maybe we can get to a game where the team who lost probably could have done a lot more to, to win their game. Uh, look, Purdue at some point should have made a Final Four. Whether Virginia got a miracle to even keep their game alive in what was that, 2018 or 2019? That's one story. But at the same time, Purdue did not need a miracle to win this game. They The only way they could lose is if a miracle happened again against them. And they keep putting themselves in position to have miracles happen against them. And it's March, so of course they're going to happen. Uh, but uh, obviously referring to the Diakite shot, I forget what year it was, but it was the year Virginia did win the national championship. Uh, but look, Purdue still hasn't made a Final Four in 42 years, I think the stat is now. And by the time we get around to that next year, it'll be 43 years without a Final Four. But honestly, they got out coached and they got outplayed today. They had, I, I really don't have much else to say about it. I, 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 I want to credit St. Peter's for the win, but I can't see past the fact that Purdue had a huge advantage in talent and a huge advantage literally and figuratively in size, but it looked like they took your advice and did not prepare for the game whatsoever <laughs> and decided that they were playing the St. Peter's Pelicans and that they were going to do zero prep and just kind of go into it and just hope for the best. And uh, too many Travion Williams dream shakes with guys who are about, well, I won't say my height, but guys who, well, are playing like they're my height, at least against Purdue's bigs, they, it was just too much of, like, the Purdue that, that, it was too much of the Purdue that got a little too fancy and, and you know, had issues playing some of the better teams in the Big Ten, and, and you know, all the moves that worked in the Big Ten where you're trying to shake these big guys who aren't very athletic, they don't really work when you're playing smaller athletic guys who all they're doing is scouting exactly what you're doing, and they're looking for you to, especially when you're Travion Williams, to do that little dream shake for Edie to kind of do that one dribble put down thing. St. Peter's was crafty. Uh, they were tricky. And St. Peter's definitely deserved that win. They 100% coached a better game and played a better game than Purdue. If these teams were evenly matched in talent, this game would have been a 30-point loss for Purdue. 100%. Um, moving on from that, number one, Kansas beat number four, Providence. It was exactly what I expected. Providence was able to keep it close and force Kansas to make sure to not make some mistakes and turn the ball over at the end of the game. Kansas was up for the challenge. They did not do that. Remy Martin was a huge part in that. That has also restored my confidence in Kansas and has been the reason of me backing them now as my new national title contender after Kentucky went down. And finally, I didn't jinx the team and I won't be public enemy number one in Kansas at least. Uh, but look... This team is playing like a championship-caliber team on offense and on defense. Holding Providence to 61 points is a big deal for them. They've had—I wouldn't say they've had issues because it's tough to be a top-20 team in defense, but championship-level defense, according to Ken Palm, is being in the top-20. They have not been there most of the season, 
but it looks like they might actually sneak in there, and we'll talk about why later, but let's move on. Number eight, North Carolina beat number four, UCLA, 73-66. to This is one of the games I got wrong, along with the Gonzaga game and the St. Peter's game, uh, but look, UNC just outplayed UCLA at the end of this game. UCLA pretty much had a lead this whole game, but the lead was never big enough that North Carolina, I, I, I think, felt really rattled by it. I think it got to four at some points where maybe it could have been clo- where, where maybe UCLA had opportunities to extend the lead and pu- push it out a little bit more. But North Carolina would take the lead by one here and there, and UCLA might get it back. But at the same time, they just never they never closed it out enough to the point where. UCLA had the ability to just close out the game on their own. They did not do enough to keep North Carolina out of it. North Carolina stayed too close all the way until the end. And when they had the opportunity, a great save by Armando Baycott to Caleb Love, who hit a three, and then that tied the game at 64. North Carolina just outplayed UCLA from then on. And uh, that was really how it happened. Uh, And really, there was nothing else other than the fact that Caleb Love is just a sniper. I mean, there, there's, there's nothing else to describe two big it. Two threes in a row on consecutive possessions within, inside of two minutes. Well, it's not even that. It's also the fact that you don't often see in games where the high, where the team, where the winning team scores 73 points, you don't often see a guy scoring 28 points. That is rare. And I, he actually might have ended up with 30. Yeah, he did end up with 30 because of the two late free throws, I think, uh, that were almost spread killers or over-under killers, but not quite. Uh, but it, look, North Carolina played well as a team. They played well individually, and I thought overall, I mean, Armando Baycott had 14 and 15 in that game. They played well as a team. They won as a team. They even got their bench going and actually playing earlier. Puff Johnson played minutes. Dontrez Styles played minutes. All of that kind of new additions after that Baylor game. They want to keep these guys going, though, and uh, I think it's working well for North Carolina, so a good one for them, and UCLA becomes one of those top 20 offense-defense Ken Palm teams that falls out of the bracket along with Arizona and Gonzaga this week. Let's move on to the final game. Number 10, Miami beat number 11, Iowa State, 70-56. to Miami played a great game here, and uh, look, said it all along, Iowa State just can't score. Um, they play great defense, but they really, really, really have issues. They have trouble putting that ball in the rim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one point of basketball is to put the ball in the basket, and Iowa State does not do a great job of that. They they make sure the other opponent looks terrible doing it, but they don't do a good job of it themselves. Uh, yeah, and overall, I mean, you can't watch an Iowa State game without it looking a little bit ugly unless they're losing by 20 or 30, but... Uh, Look, they, they they messed up the game. They tried to make it as junky as possible. They they played, actually, honestly, they played exactly how they did against Wisconsin and LSU. They still never scored 60 points in this whole tournament. They scored 59, 56, and I think 53 in their first game. So they, they actually had an average score output, but uh, not enough against a team that's actually clicking on offense, not enough against a team the caliber of Miami. Uh, Wisconsin had the ability to just stall out on offense when Johnny Davis wasn't bailing them out and they weren't hitting banked-in threes. And, well, that didn't happen for Wisconsin. That's how Iowa State got here. And, obviously, LSU not having a coach helped, too. Uh, But they ran into a possible Hall of Fame coach in this round and a team that definitely had more talent than them. Miami was able to take them down. All right, well, who were your uh, three most impressive teams of the Sweet 16? I will start with Arkansas. Obviously, the biggest upset, well... Maybe not the biggest upset, obviously, they're St. Peter's and Purdue. Uh, but look, Arkansas impressed me because I really felt like Gonzaga did play a decent game. They didn't play their best, but they played decent enough. Uh, and because of that, I, I just think you got to give Arkansas credit for outplaying Gonzaga in this game and picking up a very big win in a very big game. 
Um, and look, you just got to give credit to Arkansas. That's why they're my impressive team. I talked about Note and Williams, uh, and they really bought into playing through Note in the game, and it helped with the and it helped them win. Uh, moving on from that, so I will move on to my next team, Houston. Obviously, also beating a one seed this weekend. Uh, I I expected it, but I expected it to be a lot closer than it was. I mean, by margin alone, this was the second biggest blowout of the weekend that, or, or of the round so far, or of the Sweet 16. That is surprising. I, I think there is no way that I thought that it was going to be that big of a margin. I, I definitely thought, well, first of all, I thought Gonzaga was going to win and probably win by a bigger margin, but I also thought, you know, maybe even Duke could win by more. I thought Purdue would win and win by more, but none of that happened. Uh, and this team looked pretty much the most dominant out of any of the teams there were, honestly. Uh, but their defense is suffocating. They made a very, 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 very good offense, a very efficient offense, a very great passing offense look like just average. I mean, they, they made them look like a Tulane or an SMU in their own conference. They they did not look like they were... The, Arizona did not look like the number two team in the country, and that is because of how good Houston's defense was so give them credit. Do not give the credit to Do not say Arizona choked that game. Houston just played very, very, very well. And finally, North Carolina, because UCLA played exactly how they wanted to. Jaime Hawkes, while he might have been injured or, or you know, not, not 100%, he, he might have been ailing a little bit. He, he still played the full, he, play, he played his normal minutes, I think. I mean, maybe he played less than, I, I don't exactly track UCLA's minutes, but he, he played a, a he decent played amount game. of minutes. He played a pretty good amount. Um, and North Carolina adapted to the fact that UCLA slowed the game down and they played a different pace. And they won at a style that they're not really that comfortable with. But they adjusted to it and uh, they played well enough to beat a very good UCLA team on offense and on defense. Uh, North Carolina played better defense than I've seen them play a lot this season. And their offense... Clicking just enough to get them through this round. They obviously didn't have one of their 90-point performances, and they looked a little bit more mortal, but I don't know if mortal is enough to lose to St. Peter's, I think. I mean, by the way, I would love to see a 15 seed in the Final Four. I just don't think objectively that it's going to happen. I will 100% be rooting against North Carolina. I I love North Carolina Duke. I do not want to see it a third time. Give it to me in the ACC tournament. Do not give it to me in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I really would love to see St. Peter's there, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and there might be a little bit of a collision course with Duke for North Carolina. Well, as we've noted uh, in our look at the NCAA tournament, a five-seater or worse has reached the Final Four in each of the last eight tournaments. Not going to ask if it's going to happen this year because we know it is, uh, given that number eight-seeded North Carolina is going to play number 15-seeded St. Peter's, by the way, as a side. I think that... Probably will go down as the highest total seed, 23, of any two teams playing in the Elite Eight. Probably. I, I haven't looked it up officially, but I can't believe it's Definitely. been that in the past, It's got to be. Given that the 15's never made it before. Um, but uh, So we've got those two teams, and then we've got number 5 seeded Houston, who's still alive. So uh, pick which team of those three you think is, is going to make the Final Four, or maybe two of them. Well, last round... Or sorry, last podcast and the podcast before that, we both named Houston. I threw in Texas two podcasts ago, and obviously they lost. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to stick with Houston at this point. I mean, obviously, we're not going to say North Carolina. I w- By the way, I had it written in earlier today 
that I would put North Carolina there if they were able to beat UCLA because I thought that the winner of that game was going to beat Purdue. And now that it's St. Peter's, I definitely think they're going to win. But at the same time, it's guaranteed. So there's no point in talking about it anymore. But I would have had North Carolina on this list if they were playing Purdue still, uh, and it wasn't a guarantee. But for now, I'm definitely sticking with Houston. I, I don't I don't really buy Miami's chances to beat Kansas, but uh, it's possible. It's 100% possible. I just don't know if it'll happen. And then obviously with Duke and Arkansas, it's not possible. Well, and I started with Iowa and Houston. Iowa lost early, and I've been sticking with Houston. I said Miami if Providence would manage to beat Kansas, um, but obviously that didn't happen. So I'm going to stick with Houston and I think Carolina also, but you know that's not going out on a limb here when they're playing the St. Peter's Peacocks. See, at least they've well, won the respect of me knowing their nickname. It's also a guarantee because we're talking about five-seater worse, yeah. so someone has to be. But Exactly. So I think we're both saying Houston. Um, let's keep with our theme of uh, visiting repetitive themes in the tournament. A team that finished in the Ken Palm top 20 in offense and defense usually wins the national championship. Usually is an understatement. It's 20 out of 22 since its existence. Right, but that's usually. Uh, it's more than usually. Okay. it's uh, that, that, Almost all the time. 10 out of 11 times. Yeah. Uh, what about this year? Well, our options are down to just Houston and no one. So uh, I guess Houston's going to win the national championship, everybody. You can... You can put your red confetti up now. It's already... Shoot the confetti guns out of the cannons in New Orleans already. It's over. Houston won. But no. Last week I said Houston was my sleeper. I said Gonzaga or Arizona, even though I said I never thought Gonzaga was going to win the title from the start. But by default, because of this stat, the stat governs all, and I believe in it. Uh, But I said because I didn't believe in Gonzaga, I had Kansas as my real pick. And I had Nova as my wild card and Houston as a sleeper pick for me. Um, And look, I'm looking at it right now. I feel very strong in the fact that whoever comes out of the right side of the bracket, if you're looking at it how most brackets have it, I really do feel that whoever comes out of that side will win the national championship. I feel like it's going to be very similar to the year where, keep making this comparison, Michigan, and maybe I haven't made it on the podcast, but... Michigan, Loyola, Chicago, Villanova, and Kansas was the final four. You had a three seed, an 11 seed, and then two ones. Villanova and Kansas, everybody thought the winner was going to win the national championship. Villanova beat Kansas by 12. They beat every team in the tournament that year by 12. Beat Michigan by 18 in the championship game, and they were your national champions. No one believed Michigan could win. No one believed Loyola, Chicago could win. I think Duke can, but I'm not going to put my money on that, and I'm not going to put my reputation on the line with that, so... I will say also Villanova is still outside of the top 20 uh, in adjusted defense, and they have to get over the mountain of the fact that Kansas is doing the same thing and trying to buck that trend themselves. So let's talk about this. My real pick last week was Kansas. I'm sticking with it now because especially now Kansas needs to improve only by 0.4 adjusted points per allowed per 100 possessions to join the category. They are currently number sixth in offense, number 22 on defense at 92.81 or 92.8. Uh, in adjusted defensive efficiency. Number 21 is also 92.8. Number 20 is Boise State at 92.5. Their season is over, so is number 21's. I think they will play good enough defense, and I think they have to 100% play good enough defense to get to the championship game. They will need to be at least 20th or 19th by the time they get there, and then they'll play good enough in the championship game to keep it top 20. Although I will say, if Villanova's going to stop an offense as good as Kansas, 
Villanova is currently sitting at 25th, but I said Kansas is 92.8.9, actually. Villanova is 93.1 in adjusted defense. They might be three slots behind and five slots behind top 20, but that many points per possession is not that much to improve when you consider that they might play the number six offense in the country and have that to improve to their resume, and they play the number eight team in the country on offense uh, in their next game. So whoever wins that, I mean, if Villanova comes out of that game, holds Houston to, let's say, 65 points, they're probably going to jump to 22nd or 23rd at least immediately. And then same thing if they beat Kansas. And by the way, even Miami is 18th in offense. So all the teams left over are pretty strong on offense. Duke is number two. Uh, North Carolina is number 19. Every team is top 10 except for Miami and North Carolina, who are 18th and 19th. Uh, and then you also have Arkansas at 53rd. So overall, unless you're playing Arkansas, you're going to play a very strong offensive team. And I think overall, they're going to be able to do it. I think they're going to stick. I think Kansas is going to. I think Kansas is going to win it all, and they're going to improve enough on defense to get to make sure that that stat stays alive. Although I will say, Baylor last season finished number three or number two in offense and number twenty-two in defense, so it's completely accurate on that stat. All right. Well, I had Gonzaga and Arizona, and those are gone. Um, so I don't have anybody to choose. Um, I guess I'll gave Houston for the last answer. I'll stick with Houston. Um, I do see. Think, I had it. I had it scouted out the whole time. Yeah, this is my sleeper uh, pick and my wild card. I got, I got the, like everything else. My predictions about this bracket are blown up in terms of this twenty twenty uh, pick. So uh, let's move off of that one and let's go to our favorite topic, which is to see how your various bracket ranking or bracket picking methodologies um, are doing as we head into the elite eight. To start it off, we have Ken Palm offense at number one. It does have 550 points. It's currently in the 94.6 percentile, but there's a problem. It has Gonzaga winning it all. As you're going to see in the next mm, two or three minutes, that's a common problem with <laughs> with these metrics, uh, Gonzaga winning it all. So maximum points, 550. Current points, 550. Can't move up. My chalk bracket has 540 points. It has 620 maximum. It also has Gonzaga winning it all. It needs uh, Kansas to win to get to 620 and jump the Ken Palm offense. Uh, the BPI has Gonzaga winning it all, also at 540 points. However, it has predicted Duke to make it all the way. Uh, actually, no. It has predicted Duke to get to where they are, but it also predicted Houston and Kansas as a Final Four matchup, uh, with, with Houston eventually losing to Gonzaga. So that looks pretty decent at this point. Uh, th- that could still happen, uh, but obviously Gonzaga can't be there. Uh, and then all of my other brackets, I'm not going to lie, aren't very good. They're all 40th percentile or worse. My normal bracket is ahead of all the rest. It's better than the net bracket. It's better than Ken Palm overall. It's better than my gut reaction. It's better than my alternate bracket. It's better than my second alternate bracket. It's better than Ken Palm defense. It's better than my upset bracket. And of course, it's better than the random number generator brackets. Uh, but that is pretty much the rundown of that. So, uh, so it shows you, especially this year, well, it shows you that this year, even the NCAA's official methodology for ranking teams, the net, is not very good at predicting what's going to happen. Well, but people who back advanced analytics such as Ken Palm to do it better, uh, even Ken Palm doesn't win that argument at this point because they're also not up there. So you can you can really debate it. Uh, but look, the net is good at ranking the teams where they where, in terms of resume. They, it's not good at determining who's going to beat who. Ken Palm is about beating who's beating who. The BPI is about who's beating who. Ken Palm is, or sorry, the net is not about that. It's about the resumes. Okay, well, now that we know how uh, various methods have done in predicting the games up until the Sweet 16, up until the Elite 8 through the Sweet 16, 
Let's do a preview of the Elite Eight in the South region. We have number two Villanova against number five Houston. Your thoughts on this game? This game is by far the most exciting matchup. I am very much looking forward to watching this one. Uh, I, I think this will be the best game of the weekend. I want it to be the best game of the weekend. I think it will be. Uh, overall, I mean, look, there are so many different matchups you can point to in this game. Uh, it, really, the one thing I will say, both teams have an incredible amount of experience on their teams. Regardless of who's injured, regardless of who hasn't been there, they are so, 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 so experienced between the two of them, uh, especially on the Houston side of things. So I, I, I like what I'm seeing from uh, I, I like what I'm seeing from both of them. They're both playing super well right now. Uh, honestly, I, I feel like this game or Kansas is going to produce the national championship winner. I, I think the winner of this game probably will win it all. This is one of those early round games that will really get the momentum of a team going to and might make it uh, impossible for other teams to fight through them. I, I, I really think so. Uh, but. Look, I, I might say I, I don't really have an official prediction. I'm kind of just rooting for a good game, uh, and I don't really want to have to root for these teams at this point, and I don't think I've done enough of my homework to really have a prediction, uh, and I'm not. I'm definitely not going to track these, but if I were to throw out a team, I'll just throw out a team and a score. I'll go... This is tough. I, I guess I'll go Houston, and I'll go Houston... Hmm... Make it seventy four to seventy one. And I was gonna say Houston seventy three seventy one. So uh, got to. Well, that makes me want to pick Villanova. But well, we've been picking Houston all these other categories, so I'm just being consistent. Well, but you picked Arizona to beat Houston, and they Arizona was my was my pre tournament national championship pick, and I went straight back on that to pick Houston to win. I picked Arizona to win, but I but I consistently said that I thought Houston was the best five seater lower chance to besides Iowa got knocked out. To make it to the final four. So yeah, but just five seeds, which not a they, but just which five they seeds. They had to get through the number one. Yes, but you didn't say that they were going to beat Arizona when they had the chance to, which was a prerequisite to them getting to the final four. Whereas I had the belief in them the whole time. I'm I am taking, Houston. but I'm taking credit for the Houston All belief. Right, next 100%. game, number two Duke versus number four Arkansas in the West. Well, the first bracket I made, I had Gonzaga out of the final four because I just never believe in Gonzaga to do anything. But uh, honestly, I've been proven wrong so many times by them that. I finally fell into the trap this year that I'll say, you know what, very least, just put them in the Final Four and then have them lose immediately there. I think that's fine enough. I think that splits the difference between everybody thinking they're going to win it all and me saying, no, they're not, they're going to lose in the Elite Eight. I was wrong. I could have picked Duke to go to go all the way to the Final Four, and I would have been right this year. I could have had two Final Four teams if I had just trusted what I was initially thinking about, but I fell into the Iowa hype, and I fell into the fact that, ooh, Gonzaga, big bad Gonzaga. There's no big bad Gonzaga. There's only one big bad team, and their name is Duke, and they're going to win this game against Arkansas. They're going to win this game 81-78. I'm picking high scoring for this game. Neither of these teams, I mean, Arkansas is a very good defensive team, but at times they can, they like to run. They like to play fast in the fast break. Both these teams can kind of get a little bit turnover heavy, and there's a lot of talent on the floor. For This game might be very high scoring or very low scoring. I, I highly doubt this game ends with both teams scoring in the 70s. That is going to be my guess. I, I think that most likely we either see some ugly shooting and it's a 60, uh, maybe a 72 to 68 kind of a game, or we see a very high-scoring game where everybody's making all their shots, and it's 81-78, to 78, and that's my prediction. I was going to say you're right. Both teams aren't going to score in the 70s. It's going to be 72-68, too. Oh, oops. So you, it's okay. 
Uh, we're pretty close to each yeah, other. Yeah, but if we're pretty close, it means we're going to be both be wrong. So I guess well, if you, you if you, you want to take your money to if you want to take your money to these games, guys, bet bet on Arkansas covering and bet on Villanova too. Yeah, but I, I'm <laughs> going to go with Duke, and as much as I hate to say it, I'm rooting for Coach K. It's his last year. I want, I always like a good storyline. Uh, St. Peter's is a good storyline, but they're not going to win at all, and I don't want them advancing anymore. Um, so again, I'll, I'm going to go with Duke over Arkansas just because. I'm actually going to be rooting for Duke probably for the first time. Well, I rooted for them against Michigan State, so uh, I'll take Duke. Let's move to the next matchup. Uh, not necessarily next, but the next on our list. Number 8, North Carolina, against number 15, St. Peter's in the East. Patrick, your thoughts on who might win this battle of low seeds? Uh, well, I think I'm definitely picking North Carolina in this. We already talked about this, but... North Carolina is playing this game. I just don't. I, I don't see where St. Peter's can create an advantage. I think what I, I always say that teams go on runs for one weekend and then fizzle out the next because they're either they scout well enough for the first game and then they carry momentum into the second and then once the other team gets enough around them to scout the uh, to scout them and really take them seriously, they kind of they they lose immediately. I think St. Peter's had their hot weekend last weekend uh, off the one off of Kentucky. They carried enough momentum in. Purdue played like crap, and they won because Purdue wasn't playing very well. Uh, and then I think North Carolina has momentum. They've been playing well not just for this tournament, but for multiple weekends in a row. They went on the road and beat Duke in Coach K's final game in front of 90 former Duke players, probably 70 of them NBA guys. How do I think they could lose to St. Peter's? I, I, I can't. I mean... I don't even see a Hunter Couture-like performance coming out of Doug Eddard in this game. So, like, there's nothing that I can see in my head that can rationally pick St. Peter's as much as I want to. So, I'm going to go ahead and say North Carolina. I'll say, though, that Caleb Love, after having a ridiculous shooting night, calms down a little bit like he always seems. He was very shrieky. Uh, And I'll say he calms down a little bit. He might come out on fire and then calm down a little bit. So, I'll say... Because he won't score 30 again, and if he does, then this game's going to be a blowout. But I'll say he scores a light 10, 12, something in that range. Maybe more towards the season average of 15. And uh, I'll take North Carolina 75 to 68. Um, I'm going to go with North Carolina 73 to 58. Uh, this game's going to be a blowout. That's ugly. Um, you know, I think Purdue was much like I was. I think as much as they probably talked that, oh, we're, we're, not, you know, we're not taking anybody lightly. I think their mindset probably was, okay, this team's magic's going to run out. We're going to run all over them. And, and they does. also do not have the defensive prowess to actually be able to slack off when it comes to that kind of stuff. They are not good enough on defense Correct. to take a team and they not ter- seriously. they terrible shooting night. I don't think anybody looks past any team that's made it to the Elite Eight. Yeah. So uh, no, nobody's going to be saying, oh, St. Peter's is a 15 seed. North Carolina's going to be like, we're playing in the Elite Eight. The chance to go to the Final Four, they're going to come out. And, and they're, they're probably going to know that they have a chance to play Duke. Exactly. And that's the other reason why I was rooting for Duke is because I would love to see, I know you don't want to see it again. I love good storylines. I'd love to see a Duke-North Carolina It's not that I don't want to see it again by the storylines. I just don't want to see it again by the matchup because neither of the matchups has been actually yeah. interesting. They've, been, they've both been blowouts. So uh, I'm going with North Carolina in this game. It is not National Peacock Day on Sunday. All right, let's go to our final Elite Eight matchup on Sunday. Uh, which is number one Kansas versus number ten Miami for the Midwest Regional Championship. Well, you have my title pick, so I think we already know who I'm going to pick here. I, I just like Kansas. I, I like Miami's magic. No, I don't think Miami's actually having magic. I think they're actually just outplaying who they're playing. So that's the one thing for Miami that I think will allow them to keep it close. I actually do think Miami is a very good team. 
Uh, and I, I do think they will keep it close, but I think this game will end up just like Providence. What was the score of the Kansas Providence game? 66-61. to I'll up the scoring a little bit based on the teams, uh, and I'll go ahead and say it's 76-71 to in favor of Kansas in this game. I'm going to tell you it's going to be more lower scoring than that because you want it to be, because you want Kansas to move up in that defensive efficiency category. Um, so if you if you only give up 71 against the number 18th ranked offense, you'll still move up in that category. Okay, a lot, there's going to be a lot of possessions then. All right, well, that means we've picked an identical Final Four, albeit via different scores. Uh, we've got number five Houston facing number one Kansas, and then a Duke-North Carolina rematch or second rematch of the season um, in the Final Four. That wraps up our look back at the NCAA tournament for this edition of the podcast. It also represents the end of the entire podcast. Uh, please join us for our next 4th and 24 podcast, which will be on Monday, March 28th where we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions, have our weekly deep dive into the NBA, and have another look at the NCAA tournament, this time heading into the Final Four. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his weekend predictions that were posted on Thursday, and his Major League Baseball power rankings. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.